and I welcome you to What's New. We continue on today in Acts chapter 14, moving to verses 14 through 20. These verses will now conclude Luke's account of the apostles' experience in the city of Lystra. On our previous study, taken from verses 8 through 13, we saw Paul heal a man who had been crippled from birth. The reaction of the people who witnessed this miracle was quite remarkable. They were convinced that their gods had come down to them in human form. Here are verses 12 and 13, Luke's description of the people's reaction. They decided that Barnabas was a Greek god Jupiter and that Paul, because he was a chief speaker, was Mercury. The local priests of the temple of Jupiter located on the outskirts of the city brought them cartloads of flowers and prepared to sacrifice oxen to them at the city gates before the crowds. This brings us then to today's study, and we begin reading now with verse 14. But when Barnabas and Paul saw what was happening, they ripped at their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, Men, what are you doing? We are merely human beings like yourselves. We have come to bring you good news, that you are invited to turn from the worship of these foolish things, and to pray instead to the living God, who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In bygone days he permitted the nations to go their own ways, but he never left himself without a witness. There were always his reminders, the kind things that he did, such as sending you rain and good crops, and giving you food and gladness. But even so, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. Yet, only a few days later, some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and turned this crowds into a murderous mob that stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city apparently dead. But as the believers stood around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. Oh 
The remarks made by Caesar concerning these Galatian people were very true. They proved to be quite fickle in their resolve, and they certainly could not be trusted. One day they are ready to worship Paul and Barnabas as gods. The next day they stone Paul to death. Now here to bring us our study is Pastor Henry Harder. I've never been mistaken for a god as were Paul and Barnabas. That would be an unsettling experience. When God through these two witnesses of Jesus healed a crippled man in the town of Lystra in what is now south central Turkey, the Anatolian pagans were convinced that these two men were actually the gods Zeus and Hermes in human form. According to legend, these gods had appeared once before. Immediately the citizens of Lystra prepared to sacrifice animals to Paul and Barnabas and to worship them. Luke continues the story as he writes, But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed into the crowd shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In the past he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. This sermon is a good illustration of how Paul preached to a pagan audience. These were superstitious heathen in Lystra. Culturally, these were peasants in the hinterland. They knew nothing of the Hebrew Bible nor of Greek philosophy. Paul's first sermon in the synagogue at Antioch was different. Those were Jews and God-fearing Gentiles. They knew the Hebrew Bible. They knew that there was only one God. Paul didn't have to argue monotheism there. But this audience was different. It is very difficult to adapt to different audiences. I feel this as I prepare these programs. We have listeners in most countries of the world. Some are well acquainted with the Bible. Others, according to some of our mail, are not. I have one consolation, and that is that the Word of God is living and can move into any culture and can meet anyone's need anywhere. We had a letter from Nigeria last week. The writer requests some cassettes of what's new. He didn't care about the dates, since, as he put it, the Word of God is living. So it was interesting to me to discover how Paul handled this situation. I noted that his message was short and simple. I noted, too, that his language was drawn from the Bible, from what we Gentiles call the Old Testament. That struck me. His language was biblical in spite of the fact that his audience was pagan and totally unfamiliar with the Hebrew Bible. Another thing that impressed me was that Paul's arguments were suited to the audience. He presented God as living and as the creator of everything, and he draws upon nature to illustrate his point. These Lystrans could understand that there might be a God behind nature. Paul develops that in Romans 1, 2. Anyone can see God in the design of nature if he wants to. If a clock has to have a maker, certainly nature, which is far more complex than a clock, must have one too. 
So Paul briefly told his audience that God is living and that he was the creator. All things came into being by him. Paul also informed these pagans that this God controls nature. It is he who gives the rain, the crops, and food. They could understand that. Paul further points out that God is one. There is only one God, not many. He didn't have to emphasize that when he spoke to the Jews and the Gentile God-fearers in the synagogue. But these pagans didn't know about monotheism, about one God. Then he tells these heathen about the progressive unfolding of divine redemption. He didn't use those terms. They wouldn't have understood them. But he tells them that the true and living God unfolded history until it climaxed in Jesus Christ, although he doesn't mention the name Jesus yet. So his message to pagans was short, simple, presented in forms his audience could understand, but spoken in biblical language. Unfortunately, Jews from Antioch and Iconium came and convinced these simple people that Paul and Barnabas were frauds, and they stoned Paul and left him for dead. He survived, and the next day he and Barnabas traveled to nearby Derby. The Word of God has its enemies, as do God's people. Satan does not want the Word of God proclaimed in terms that can be understood and that will change men and women. The Word of God is his greatest enemy, since it has a way of reaching into the hearts of men and women and changing them. Some 20 years ago, a distinguished British scholar who had translated Homer into modern English died. His name was Dr. E.V. Root. He was a lifelong atheist. He was invited once to translate the Gospels into modern English. His son remarked, it will be interesting what Father makes of the four Gospels. It will be more interesting to see what the four Gospels make of Father. A year later, Dr. Rue was convinced, converted to Jesus Christ, and joined the Church of England. J.B. Phillips interviewed him on radio, and Dr. Rue confessed, my work changed me. I came to the conclusion that these words of the Gospels bear the seal of the Son of Man and God. Then J.B. Phillips added, I found it particularly thrilling to hear a man who is a scholar of the first rank openly admit that these words written long ago were alive with power. They bore to him as to me the ring of truth. Yes, the Word of God is living. The author of the book of Hebrews wrote it. Dr. Rue discovered that it's not so much how he read the word as how the word read him. The Bible, when released, moves into the lives of people who will let it, and it changes them. Like the blood of Jesus, it will never lose its power. When we let it, it will always bring men and women and boys and girls near to the heart of God. Hold us to wait before Thee. To the heart of God. There is
production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Shafter, California, 93263, USA.